Hello, world. Welcome to another amazing episode of The Collective Podcast. I'm your host, Ash Thorpe, and this is going to be episode 128 with world-renowned photographer Zhang Jingya, who joins us this week to discuss why she began taking photos, how she derives inspiration from other fields and injects it into her work, and how important passion projects have become to her on a personal level. Today's episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is an awesome service that enables you to create and present your work using their custom website builder. What once took way too much time, created lots of frustration, is now eliminated so you can just focus on making great work, and Squarespace does the rest. So start building your website today at squarespace.com, enter offer code TCP at checkout, and get 10% off. Also, a shout out to our sponsor, Learn Squared, where you can find introductory and advanced courses led by industry-leading artists and friends of the podcast, such as Anthony Jones, Maciej Kuchata, and Jama Jurabayev. You can see how these artists work and learn from each other at learnsquared.com. Here we go, everybody. Episode 128 with Zhang Jingya. I'm always really curious to see behind everybody that's on the podcast, kind of the ingredients in which you pull from from life, whether it's inspiration mm-hmm. or if there's a or there was a moment in your life which you know defined. a a chapter for you Mm -hmm. um is there something that that you've had in your life that kind of you can reflect upon and go it was that moment when i saw that film or when my mom said this to me or i was at school or something was there a moment where you knew that this was what you wanted to do um i don't think specifically for photography but i i was in art school and um, it was just my foundation year, so we learned a bit of everything, right? And in art theory uh, or art history class, we were supposed to do an essay just on any work we wanted to talk about. And I picked The Lady of Charlotte and by John William Waterhouse. And I think it was the first time I looked at a piece of art, and I just, you know, the, the more you look into it and, and uh, the poetry and uh, background stories, is just like, well, I want to create something beautiful like that one mm. day. Like, I wish I can create an impact on people um, similarly to, as to how that affected me. And I think that was the first moment I realized it's something I hoped to be able to do. And I think photography just kind of, it just came out later, uh, but also by chance through exploration. And do, you, do you reflect on that moment often or is that something that kind of you have in your, you're in your mind and, and it kind of comes and goes? Mm, it comes and goes yeah I mean I kind of know that I think that was one of the first things that made an impact on me but in terms of you know uh, motivations for creating and stuff there's definitely a lot of other different sources that kind of contribute to my life that uh, affects how I think where, where what exactly would those be mm, uh, why ranging number of things i'm kind of so i used to shoot air rifle when i was in uh when i was a lot younger uh, i represented singapore so i traveled a lot and i think um growing up in china we were quite sheltered in you know being exposed to art and stuff and after i moved to singapore it was i was pretty much you know just um growing up on my own because my, my mom was always working. So it was really traveling that exposed me to more culture. And I think I fell in love with things as I was kind of um, just seeing 
the way the world is like and mm. not through not through the media and not through popular culture and that's different you yeah know? absolutely and yeah. it's a lens basically yeah yeah and then um in primary school which was grade school i guess i had friends who were into like anime and comics and we would read manga together and i think visually manga always had really beautiful um imageries to me mm-hmm. so i fell in love with a lot of that and i think i tried to use a lot of those elements um in my own work too so i definitely feel it too <laughs> yeah. yeah and and for a long time i actually tried to fuse my what i feel like is my personal style into commercial work so i can get more commercial work in the beginning but uh in recent years uh it's really uh i, I got really good advice when i was actually interviewing for a job uh, at a photography school in new york and the feedback from the program leader was that my personal work and my commercial work was not different enough so i figured hey maybe i can go in the opposite direction and separate my commercial work and personal work as much as i can Mm -hmm. so i started doing kind of more you know i guess like artists tend to do like more fan art and tributes and just really going a while and just not really caring yeah and that was very interesting explorations too it's actually really good advice um that's cool that you that you're listening and you took note of it too I think, I think that's really important, especially well, we are freelancers, right? It's not like you work in a corporation and you get your superiors to give you good feedback. Um, yeah. We work with art directors and editors, but a lot of times I think that professionalism kind of stops people from giving you critiques to improve your work. You know what I mean? Yes, absolutely. Um, generally, I mean, you know, social etiquette is like, if someone didn't ask for it, don't give bad feedback Sure, because you never know how people are going to take it. Right. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, So, so that was really nice um, of the program leader to give that advice. And I always try to get feedback from friends as well, actually. Do you surround yourself with other like-minded creatives? I don't know a lot of photographers, maybe just because I started off more with, you know, anime, manga, illustrative work. And Mm. I grew up with this CG crowd and, you know, we were on DeviantArt. Uh, CA, CG Hub and stuff. Yeah. I, f- uh, I feel that in your photography, which is really cool though. It gives your, your photography a very illustrative um, sensibility to it. Um, yeah. I think that's cool that you're coming from a different source too. One, I think it creates a more, what it, it uh, positions you differently from other people. Right. And that absolutely. makes it more interesting. Yeah. You, you eventually become your own self, which is whether you want to call it style or what, I think it positions you, like you said, into a different realm because you're pulling different ingredients from different things and, and combining yeah. them, you know, you're taking yeah. your anim- love of anime and illustration and combining it with like very high end photography, very like interesting way of using light. And this, your decision-making is based on a completely different parameter. Yeah, exactly. Rather than photographers loving photographers and making photography for photography's sake, you know? Yeah, because in that way, I mean, eventually everyone just kind of stopped producing the same things, right? Yes. So I think, you know, if a lot of people can do this, why don't I try to do something else that no one is doing? I always find out a little bit. It's just more interesting for myself as a creative. It's more challenging, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, the work in itself, you want to create something and ideally something new. I'm sure there's somebody that's looking at your work the same that you did with Waterhouse's paintings and, and it's like, I would, someday I would like to make something that beautiful, you know? Uh, I and, definitely hope so. And that's really the beauty of it though, right? You're, you're continuing that cycle 
you know, yeah. which I think is really great. Yeah. I think it's, it's important to have that. I would, I want to kind of step back a little bit too and kind of talk mm-hmm. about what you what you mentioned. There were some really interesting things that you were saying there as far as, um, your, your, uh, let's say quote unquote professional work and then also mm-hmm. your personal work. Yeah. From my standpoint, I always say it's best to do whatever you feel like you want to do. Yeah. Uh, clients will come to you. Uh, and, and I think you're probably experiencing that now is mm-hmm. that the clients see your personal work and get, Oh wow, that'd be so cool to see this and use this instead of you mimicking yeah. the, the trend of what everybody else is doing and say Vogue, sure. Vogue or something you're creating in your own, you're yeah. com- your people are coming after you for your own brand. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Personal voice definitely has, has more value. Has that really helped you like taking the risk to do your own personal projects and then having that kind of spawn into, you know, getting the right people and, 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 and getting people to see how powerful you are? I think it definitely gives you more, it definitely gives you more power and leverage as because I mean, commercial work, you are selling for the client. So there is always a give and take, like, obviously you can't treat it like, you know, entirely like personal work, but when you have a body of work that is strong with your personal stuff, it's a lot easier to say, you know, I believe this is the right direction and you have proven it and um, it is why they came to you. So it makes jobs a lot more smooth sailing yeah and usually if people try to give me things that's way more commercial that i find not much value in me doing it's a lot easier for me to say no now and be like hey you know i recommend you find another photographer like this is my style and this is you know what i would do a good job of yeah and And they actually respect you more when you can say that absolutely when you have confidence and also when you do that i think it's a mental thing where you say um yeah, if you like you said, you're willing to let it go because mm-hmm. it's not necessarily something that you're as engaged with. They respect that at the same time because you're being honest enough to yeah. kind of like release control. Yeah. But then it's almost like um, when you release control, you gain more control. It's weird. It's true. Yeah. yeah. It's like an irony that happens with our psyche. Uh, it's something that I've always noticed. Uh, I was I was discussing with my students actually, mm-hmm. um, or I think I was telling my friends how I've always kind of feared teaching because I always worried that I was going to teach all my stuff and then everybody's going to know my secrets. But the, right. the, the reality is there is no secrets. <laughs> and, um, and by doing yeah. that, I can, I can basically release all of my preconceived notions and thoughts that what I'm doing is somewhat unique. It is, but at the same time, like it can be replicated and that's okay. So, um, there's this really interesting, uh, interesting thing I learned. Um, so this year I started working on like, a art website, uh, project site project kind of thing. Okay. So I used to work on CG hub, um, for a couple of years. And then, um, I think our station is great, but suddenly I just feel like it's kind of time that I want to try building something on my own again. Cool. And so I was looking more into startup stuff, entrepreneurships. And, uh, there's one saying that's really prevalent, which is, uh, you know, ideas are common and, are worth nothing is really in the execution of how you actually do it. And it's really by doing that you realize how much like how nuanced that is and how much that is true. Yeah. So exactly like you say, like you can teach anyone exactly how this is done, but you know how they can execute their own ideas or, um, you know, uh, concepts. That's, that is the main thing that's going to create the the actual work. And it's different from just, 
teaching all your secrets. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and the power of doing that and the execution and, and, and pulling off the execution, I think, is really important. Yeah. And it's, yeah. yeah, the beauty of it is in, 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 in the details of that, for example, which makes total sense. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't which agree is, more. Which is why we had this um, in concept art, right? You know, like new artists or students love to ask artists, like, what brush do you use? And <laughs> so many people use default brush, right? Yeah, there's the round uh, zero actually, brush. Yeah. yeah, actually, at a recent workshop, someone asked me what brush I use as talking about using the clone tool for like um, working on skins. And I'm like the default brush. Yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, it's, it's funny. And it's just really learning how to use it, the execution itself. There's a reason why that's the default too. You know, the, <laughs> the people at, at Adobe are pretty smart and they, they design the products in a very intellectual way. It's why it's still used by everybody really. Uh, yeah. and there's a reason why it's the, the default and I'm the same way. I use the same thing. You always yeah. think, I think the, the misconception is that people think that, oh, you're using a magical brush. Like yeah, what, what's the magical button? Like, you know? What's the magical button? What is yeah. the shortcut? Do you, do you get and, insulted when people do that? Um, I guess I, I used to when, yeah. when, you know, I think for all of us at one point we are, we are like rising towards our popularity is easier to become a little bit, um, I wouldn't say arrogant, but maybe just annoyed because you are bombarded by questions all the time. And it, as a creative, you just want to work and spend time with your friends, right? Absolutely. Um, but but now, you know, like in retrospect, of course, I can kind of understand that um, for new artists, if they have nowhere to turn to, it's if they haven't go pa- gone past a hurdle, it, it does seem like there's, you know, something magical behind the gates or uh, stuff like that. And, sure, because they're so uh, far away from that, you know, like yeah, so yeah. far from understanding yeah. it. And they, they, I think a misconception that kind of happens nowadays, it seems that everybody's looking for the easy way out or yeah. the, and, and honestly, there, I haven't discovered it. Nobody I know has discovered <laughs> it. It all comes I, down to hard work. I think work. everyone who has gone past that, the, the hurdle, that gate is like, oh, I, I realized the actual secret is just really to work really fucking hard. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and I would love to lo- know a little bit more about your average day and, and how like how you deal with the massive workloads because photo editing, photo taking mm-hmm. and photo creation is, is mm-hmm. a very intense experience. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not like you're just drawing something from nothing. You're, you're actually using real elements and that can be really hard to control if you're not careful. Mm-hmm. Um, so how do you navigate those waters of making something unique and original and also all the pre-production and the post-production side of things? Mm. I think um, basically you have to wear many, many hats. It's a lot like um, being a freelancer. You have to, you know, you have to know your finances, you have to know uh, business and all that stuff. But um, I think doing production is actually kind of difficult um, because you know, you have to source, you have to, uh, maybe every job kind of has some new requirements and you have to learn on the job each time, depending on how it's different, right? Yeah. So, um, learn by experience, definitely. Sure. <laughs> had, had, had some, you know, just bad experiences or shoot gone wrong. And um, if, if people um, have assisted big photographers, it would be slightly easier because, you know, they might have contacts and they might have seen how big productions are done. But because I'm self-taught, so a lot of those were just uh, expensive lessons learned along the way. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's just so, like more experience and just putting it together and kind of going along and, and wearing all the hats basically. Yeah. Yeah. And in a way I think is really good because um, some people, they come out and they want to run a studio or they want to do things full time and they're like, Oh, I have to hire a guy for uh, production. I have to hire a guy for social media. But, you know, I think you have to know um, how each particular point in the production uh, works to, you know, cohesively put something together. So do you think, think you need to be able to do it all first and then be able to hire? I, I think it's important. Yeah. Uh, same. Yeah. Yeah. Be- like even now, um, even if we have bigger productions, I still want to cast models on my own and see them in person because, um, yeah, a casting director can look at them for me or I can just look at, um, you know, Polaroids of the models, but how will I direct them with my lighting that I use on the actual day and my chemistry with the model? That's different, right? Sure. So certain things are still going to be personal and, you know, being, being the director or the artist, the creator, like you still know at the end of the day, like visually how everything kind of falls into place um, in your creation. Also, your name is writing on it too. So it's, yeah, it's good to yeah, know it, all this exactly. stuff. Yeah, because when when things fail or if something goes wrong, in the end, people will look at the results and the only person to blame is the photographer. Yeah. yeah they wouldn't be like... Or whoever's running the job, yeah. Yeah, they, they wouldn't think like, oh, you know, the art director didn't give clear directions or oh the model gained weight so they couldn't you know fit into the right clothes yeah it's true yeah, that's, that's gonna be the photographer's fault it looks bad it's funny oftentimes when um i hear feedback and and people's opinions on movies people blame the director i always laugh because <laughs> <laughs> fucking movies this, is are huge they're huge i, I know I, especially the the larger productions i do the more i just cannot imagine how to produce a film right i mean we had friends you know in working like oh this guy does like uh concept this guy does you know the director of photography and it's like we know these individuals who are part of like such a huge uh production yeah it's hard to imagine how a director can oversee and you know have everyone come to work together perfectly it's crazy. Um, it's, <laughs> I I just I cannot imagine. Whenever I, I complain, I always think about how crazy it can be, you know. And I think about, I try yeah, to get inspired by I, people like that. How lucky we are to only deal with twenty people a project. That's wonderful. <laughs> totally, and it's all decision. You know, you could decide to do it if you wanted to. You know, the yeah. decision between us and say David Fincher is just different choices. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And, but he's a hardworking person, obviously. I've never met him, but I love watching his commentaries and like his behind the scenes because it's mm-hmm. really extensive and well, well, um, well documented. Do you document your process at all? Do you have like a behind the scenes crew that kind of follows you along? Or are you interested in that part? Or are you more, mostly interested in that final image that summates all the hard work? Mm, mostly I'm just interested in the final image. I yeah. think because I was so much inspired by, um, art pieces like the work in progress stuff i think it's you know behind the scenes is so common and popular with the photography side of people um for me i just feel like it kind of takes some magic away from the final work um it's true and, yeah i don't know there's like a certain atmosphere on set and i want to concentrate on that if i have you know another crew who's shooting i feel like it kind of fights for attention from my team from my model and uh, I might feel distracted and conscious, stuff like that. This might change, obviously, but sure. so far that's usually how I feel. 
Yeah, no, that's good. It's good to know. And I totally agree with you. I think even say like if we talk about directors, like I think mm-hmm. Spielberg never does behind the scenes or commentary on his film. Yeah, really. Because he doesn't want to dispel the myth of what he's done to create it. Mm-hmm. And and part of me is like, damn it, Spielberg, do commentary. Cause I don't know. <laughs> but then the other part <laughs> of me respects that. Magic yeah, I really I respect that, you know, so I respect that. Um, sometimes I, there's there's differences, you know, in the creative process. You said something which I think is really important for us to talk about, which I totally agree and I think is, is really unique about what you're saying is you're trying to capture a performance. Um, you said you're capturing energy and you don't mm-hmm. want to distract from that energy. Yeah. Um, how do you, how do you go about doing that on, on set, for example, in a shoot, like how do you engage with your, your model, for example, and how do you capture that energy? Cause it really is, it's just capturing that, that split second between two other seconds. That's just right. Mm, I think it's, it's just a feeling thing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it's like especially for photography, we can take so many frames from a set and you can have hundreds of pictures to choose from. And I will always just choose one to represent it. And uh, recently we were, uh, I was doing a workshop in China and we actually had people to kind of vote on two pictures to see, you know, who likes what. And it was like 50-50 split between the class. Hmm. So everyone had a reason for liking one over the other. And, you know, I was like, this is a great example of just personal artistic presentation towards, you know, how you edit and how you, represent your work because you know both of them are good shots but in the end which one do i choose um that's what i want what i want to convey to the world right sure so um so that's just it goes by a feeling right it's you know kind of a mess from everything like influences and inspirations um uh, it's all visual, like visually and emotionally and then because you know, going back to liking um, painted work, like individual pictures, uh, I just always feel like I want to get all the elements down in a shot and shoot it as authentically as possible. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, of course I touch up skins, I kind of, you know, clean up creases or if there's like a tripod sticking into the shot, but I'm not big on compositing from, you know, 20 different pictures to make the shot crazy or over photoshopping it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and your, your, I think, your work has a great balance, I think, a really and great I think balance. Putting, tr- and I think trying to achieve that uh, in shot is what kind of um, part of what adds to to the atmosphere and feeling of the shot, right? Because everyone on set sees it as it is as well, and they're also experiencing how it's being created mm. along the way. Rather than having to you know, um, act out towards an empty space or, um, oh, let's composite and try to do that action with the fabric over there, things like that. Sure. That makes sense. And that's good. And, and totally, I mean, it's hard, it's hard to articulate the answer for that because it is such a feeling thing. Yeah. So, but, um, it's interesting Like some, some, like some directors and, and people that take photo- photos or work in, with talent and directly, mm-hmm. uh, they'll either be very interactive and they're talking and conveying that some are very, they'll only let their assistant talk to them and they stay far away and hide from it and kind of try mm-hmm. to capture it. It's mostly mm-hmm. mind game kind of stuff. I'm just always curious as to how people work with them. Some people are really driven towards focusing on their actors and some not so much and stuff. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious. 
Mm-hmm. Like Scorsese and stuff. I'm using uh, film directors. Um, I'm not super well versed with uh, photographers as much mm-hmm. as I probably should be. I only I know a couple that I really admire. Mm-hmm. Um, I've mentioned one all the time on the podcast. Pro- people are probably sick of hearing his name, but Gregory Crudson's one of my favorites. Oh yeah, Luffy's work too. For I, sure. lo- I love his methodology, and mm-hmm. I think I think is he's been a big inspiration for me personally. Just how much work somebody puts into just one image. And yeah. Yeah. I mean, he approached it just like a film director does, really. I mean, the, the level of production, uh, size of production as well. Yes. Yeah. Just for one image, though, which is interesting, you know, which yeah. I think is really yeah. good. Your work has a really great balance to it. Um, you mentioned briefly just earlier about um, balance and also not overworking things. Mm-hmm. Did that come with age and like maturity of developing yourself in your eye? Um, because it's, that's a, usually when I hear about balance and not overworking things, it usually comes from, uh, somebody that understands through time, you know, the re- mm-hmm. restraint is more powerful than oversaturation. Did that come naturally to you or was that a growing, did you grow mm-hmm. into that? I, I feel like it's, it did come kind of naturally. I don't really know if it came because... I was just learning Photoshop on my own and I'm just, I just don't feel like spending 50 hours trying to <laughs> do a composite. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, Hey, if I can get it right in the shot with all the lighting correct, like done correctly, why, why don't I just do that? Sure. Sure. <laughs> um, part of it might just be that. And, and maybe it's from seeing bad examples or bad Photoshop online, you know, <laughs> like, I, it, I don't, yeah. I don't want to create something like that. So um, why don't I try to get it just right? And then in post, you know, um, try to hit somewhere that looks um, just not too overly processed. Yeah. I mean, you know, whichever level I choose to uh, reach reach the processing to, that's usually like a conscious choice, right? Like, hey, this shot, um, I want to try to go for like a really commercial, slightly, um, you know, over-retouched look, then that's, that's a conscious choice. And I understand that. And if I want to do something that's, no, my personal work, like slightly pasty skin, the overall it looks a bit um, more painterly. Like, you know, I make a conscious choice. Like you don't see pores in the models because I wanted it to look like it was, you know, done with brushes, right? Yeah. So little little things like that. Um, and it works too, actually, Yeah, actually people ask me if I use, you know, filters or actions for, for processing skin during the workshop. And I said, you know, it's, it's not wrong. And, um, you know, if you're, uh, in certain jobs, you might need to do that to save time. But personally, I think um, you can, you know, analog is always a little bit better than digital just because something automated will always achieve like over perfection. Yes. It's a little bit in- inauthentic. Yes. And I think what makes, you know, what makes art more interesting is when we create it by hand is, you know, the imperfections make it a bit more unique each time. Yeah. So that's, that's my personal approach to that. <laughs> I couldn't agree more. And I think uh, the audience witnesses it th- that as well, whether they know it or not, that's what they're mm-hmm. looking at. And I think that it really, um, I love how, I love how you analyze things because you really get deep into understanding why. Uh, <laughs> and I think it's good for those of that are listening and you're trying to create unique work. Um, listen to how we're articulating the very simple, small nuances of things. We're talking about automation versus hand. Mm. Uh, you know, like for example, when animation was in its like phase of going from traditional hand animation Mm. to, um, 
computer CG. CG. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There, it was really pretty crappy for a while there. Um, was, <laughs> I, I know. Even now, sometimes I watch anime and I'm like, oh, look at that CG. Yes, yes. This has gotten way better. Yes, um, it's gotten way better. It's, it's, it's still still a ways there. We look at maybe Pixar, for example, because they're leading it here in the States and worldwide yeah. in a certain way. Not not the best, obviously, but they're, they are doing amazing work. Um, definitely yeah. leading leading the, the, the pact, but the the nuances and the subtlety um what they're doing is they're they're not using presets to give a walk cycle they're actually having somebody with energy and an animator with an idea they're putting that person's soul into that character yeah and you're really getting it and when you're watching it whether you know it or not you're getting that essence yeah 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 for sure it's you know it's like why we have you know um the artist doing keyframes for animations, right? Yes. Stuff like that. Um, Cause it really does make a difference. It does. And the, and, and like you were saying, when people are asking you if you're using like automation for textures and skin and stuff, um, mm-hmm. I think if you were to, it might feel general, you know, and it, it's just, it's just something interesting to be aware of. It's always constantly being aware and, and analyzing, you know, what it is that you're doing. Do you do, yeah. do you do uh, self-reflection? And if so, like what's your form of self-reflection? Mm, I think personally, um, the way I approach my work is I always like to, I always like to be doing something a little bit different, just, um, being aware that there's, um, and like an evolution to my work, uh, and each new piece is, you know, it can be a build up of what's before, but uh, it's better. It's a little bit uh, more unique or more different. And sometimes if I feel like amplitude or, you know, I, I feel like, this particular style of work, I'm doing a good job. Like, what should I do next? What am I missing? I, I talk to friends, um, get, get some feedback. Usually guys who do, you know, who, who work in concept, just cause like I said, you know, um, photographers, we have different, a different eye of looking at things, right? Someone who, who does environment and someone who does character will look at a piece of art differently too. Yeah. So I think just getting different opinions like that and, you know, opening yourself up, uh, finding people who give, who do give like thoughtful, good feedback. I think that's, that's a good way to, to do that. Yeah. I think in what you're saying too, about articulating the difference between different photographers too. I mean, everybody mm. has a different eye and it's, in, it's cool to see what somebody else is doing. How, yeah. how inspired are you by the community of other photographers? Do you, you mentioned being more inspired by say, uh, painters and illustrators and being a part yeah, of like the, sure. the, that community um are you inspired mm-hmm. equally by photographers as well or is it mostly you're more inspired by illustration and stuff definitely more inspired by illustrations for sure just um, i think this was especially more true before um uh, before i actually had the distinct separation between you know driving my commercial work very commercially looking and driving my personal work um ex- exploring that very heavily um so after, like before that, I, I just always wanted to stay away from the commercial side of things. So I really tried not to look look at photographers. Sure. Like to me, photography was just a medium to create an artwork, right? Good. Yeah. Um, yeah but, absolutely. you know, after that, when I had a distinction between, you know, like two different mentality towards treating commercial work and personal work, then it became a bit easier to appreciate photographers. Um, so, you know, now I kind of, I can see photography itself as a different type of art and, um, you can approach it in a more raw way and I don't have to use it just to do my more painterly looking work. 
stuff like that. But um, for personal style and things, that's definitely still more entrenched in like illustrators and um, concept people I know. Um, Photographers wise, I guess it's more just I have an awareness, but it doesn't heavily influence. Gotcha. Yeah, Yeah. your influence comes from somewhere else, which is good. Yeah, I think that's really good to have, though, too. Uh, I think mm-hmm. the alchemy of that is, you know, by being inspired by um, somebody else from a different realm, whereas other photographers are often looking at what other photographers are doing. Yeah. I think because, you're looking, looking yeah, at... Yeah, I think when you're doing that, it kind of, like, you kind of lack a voice, right? Like, what do you want to say with your work um, if you're kind of just constantly being influenced by similar things? Yeah, and and then understanding where that's coming from and then how that's affecting your work is important too. Yeah. You mentioned teaching yourself uh, Photoshop. Is is that how you learned Photoshop and digital art? Um, so back then, I kind of knew this um, artist. I, I don't know if you've heard of him, uh, Noah KH. So he was he was one of like he was pretty popular on DeviantArt, and I used to kind of um, manage his work and translate. Uh, English Chinese stuff for him for a while so back then we were pretty close and I would kind of just play around with his uh, unfinished or sometimes finished work um, just doing color changes so <laughs> just to see if I can make the works better sure so I think I kind of learned Photoshop um, like uh, experimenting around with other people's artwork in the beginning actually like that and then when I picked up photography is just um, I think it, it created a foundation with you know just colors and compositions being kind of important things I worked on to begin with. And the rest was just um, maybe like small workshops I went to or random tutorials I saw online. And if it was relevant, I try it out and it was good. I just use it. But mostly I, I don't use any like, I think I don't use any special tricks or complicated things. Just, you know, regular brush tool, clone tool, healing tool. That's all I use. Do you feel like you are, are you ever interested in like, say, learning 3D, for example, and doing that? Or is it mostly, are you enjoying the course that you're creating now, like what you're doing now? I think 3D could be very interesting. Maybe personal interest wise, if I were to try something a little bit different medium wise, I think I would definitely be more inclined to learn how to paint. Um, just yeah. curious. I'm always curious to see like where people would take where what they're doing and uh, an alchemy of different different objects and stuff. So mm-hmm. um, yeah, because you never know. Like you can get inspired by so many different things. I so, know. I was also curious to see how you approach lighting. It seemed like you have a really great sense of understanding light, um, but I also can sense that you. Um, just like how you say you like the simple ingredients of like you know you use this like a the simple default brush for most mm-hmm. of your work. It looks like you're you're using usually um, one or two light sources. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it's kind of how I started learning lighting in the beginning. Sure. So yeah, like everyone else, right? I when I was after I've been shooting a little while, I I asked one of my friends. I was like, you know, should I buy a better lens or should I buy some shrub lights? Because obviously like it can't be my fault that my photos are not nice right (laughs) (laughs) um you know just how can how can i shoot cooler pictures like these things and he was like oh you you don't like just 
default lens, your kit lens is fine. You don't even know what you want to shoot yet, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and then um, you can start learning with getting one light and learning how to just work with that like, one particular light. And at that time, I was like obviously a little bit doubtful, but I borrowed a one hot light, so like a tungsten, and um, just expand experimented with using it at home so i would have friends come over i'll try to do self-portraits and i didn't know how to use any um like lighting accessories or modifiers so i bounced it off the ceiling of the walls and or directly at a model or with you know a piece of tissue paper <laughs> so um you really realize that um you know if you watch the light and shadows carefully and and how light changes right i mean it, you can do so much with just uh, one light source, yes. right? Yeah. And and you, I think you think about the sun is our only light source, and <laughs> look what it's done for us. It's crazy, right? Yeah, it's, it's true though. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of just learned um, building up additional lighting or um, other things, just like that. And I think it's it's back to that feeling of um, authenticity, right? If you know, keeping it a little bit simple and, and doing it by hand and figuring out um, what you don't need actually is... Because a lot of times people think, you know, if you have like three or five lights, you have a flashy set and you're going to get good work. But that's not always true. No, like, yeah. um, like putting elements, you know, like same thing as painting and design, right? Like every element you put in should, you know, you should serve a purpose and um, should add something for you. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. That's how you approach lighting then, huh? You just kind of try to keep it somewhat mm-hmm. simple. In your mind, when you're um, dissecting, say, a brief or a creative mm-hmm. direction from a, a client, are you physically, or like, I'm not physically, but in your mind, are you planning what this shoot's going to look like and the gear and the tools that you're going to need to create the actual elements? Or do you do that later on? Mm, kind of. Once we start doing, so we... Usually once we get a brief, um, I have to do a photographer's treatment. So that's kind of like my art direction deck. Um, and that uh, in it, I will have a segment on lighting. And that's kind of when I start thinking about it. Awesome. Yeah. That's cool. I was also curious to talk to you a little bit about um, navigating the freelance business and lifestyle. How much of work, mm-hmm. how much of your work is a part of your life? Do you live to work or do you work to live? Like what, where's that balance for you? Um, definitely more like work to live. <laughs> so this <laughs> is, cool. uh, this came from, it, it's like unverified source. I was just talking to this person I knew in Singapore and they were talking about this photographer, a Singaporean photographer who was with a big agency, photo agency in New York. And, um, you know, New York is extremely competitive. We knew of very established veteran photographers who moved here, who, you know, went back to Singapore because they couldn't really find the right fit, or couldn't get jobs. And if they do well in Singapore, like, you know, why, like, give up their lifestyle, right? So they said, yeah, so this guy probably just does, like, three jobs a year and, you know, they can survive on that. And it just, so I don't, I don't even know if it's true, right? But it just got stuck in my head and I thought, that's, like, an amazing way to live if I just have to do, you know, three gigs and for the rest of it, I can do personal work. I can travel the world, like do anything yeah. I want to. And, and when you do personal work, it feeds back into your portfolio. Right. Yeah. Um, so like that's, that's always been like 
approach. That's good. <laughs> like That's my great kind approach. of kind of kind of my career goal since then, like to just be able to um, live and work like that. Yeah. I love that. That's a really great way of looking at it. I'm working on having that my own self. It's all decisions and choices. So it really comes down to yeah, having sure. confidence to do that and having confidence to charge a client X so that you can yeah. focus on other things, you know? So, yeah. And especially at the same time, when you become more exclusive like that, um, you, well, your pricing will become exclusive and you have more time to pay attention to serving like your clients really well, right? Totally. And um, making something really unique, um, stuff like that. So actually it does, well, personally, I think that has worked out very well for me and definitely I think it is good for um, any freelancer's individual branding too. I couldn't agree more. I wish I had more of that balance. I feel like I work nonstop too much. And I don't have enough time to reset and rebuild. I always feel like maybe I'm just kind of um, more lazy. So it's easier for me to <laughs> just be able to like, oh, yeah, no, I can only do so many gigs a year. That's good, though. Um, well, maybe it's not. I mean, maybe perhaps I'm not sure. I don't know you too well, but maybe it is also you're just being cautious of how much time you have and what you want to do with that time, because you could you could be a you know, just taking crazy amounts of photos and yeah. working every day, all day and running a business, like you said, and having all these, um, obstacles and, and mm -hmm. obligations and stuff. But by choosing to simplify things to your life so that you can just travel or whatever, mm -hmm. uh, the next question I was going to ask you, and we can come back to the financial, mm -hmm. not the financial, but the business side of freelance. Cause I know we yeah. kind of talked a little bit about that at AJ's and you had some really great, um, perspective from that mm -hmm. realm as well. But um, what do you do outside of when you're not working, say, taking photographs? You mentioned your love of travel and how that helps influence you. Is that yeah. still something that you love to do? Um, for sure. I, I actually travel a little bit less than I used to. Just I think I used to travel so much about once a month, um, you know, like uh, 10, 12 hour flights at least. Wow. So I just I think I've gotten a little bit tired. Like my body is not... <laughs> Keeping up very well. I know it's like people are going to be like, oh, you're so young. Blah, blah, blah. But, <laughs> well, how old are you? I'm 27. 27. Yeah, you're super young. <laughs> <laughs> but I just came back from China, right? Okay. With this uh, seminar and workshop. And so it's like 14 hour last, flight? Uh, it's like a 20 hour travel. Wow. Okay. We had like a six hour domestic and then I think a 14 hour or something back like Beijing to New York. Oh, wow. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You're in New York. Last, the whole last week kind of just like disappeared because I just spent all that time in a haze or sleeping trying to overcome that jet lag. Sure. Yeah. It's, it's just, challenging. The time just disappears. Yeah, even now I'm like still having to like coffee and take Zipol to go to bed. <laughs> to reset so, your clock. How long were yeah, you there for? Uh, I was I was in Asia for a month. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just, I see. Bit, but yeah. like, yeah, anytime if it's about two weeks or longer, I think it just becomes really difficult to get get my um, bio clock back on schedule. Same for everybody. It's usually uh, 14 to 21 days. If you can do something repetitively, like a habit, say you're trying to set a habit, if yeah. you can do it for 21 days or so consistently, it'll become a habit that's harder <laughs> to break. Yeah, so if you're trying to achieve something, it's really hard to do that at first. But let's oh. say like getting your sleep cycle back on. The only reason like why you're asleep, like if you were in Asia and everybody was sleeping at the same time we do here, 
you would just follow that same trend, you know, but instead they don't, right. they follow the, the rhythm of the sun as we all do. Sure. So it's, it's, and then you had that repetitious pattern of having to do it. And, and then it becomes, you know, it's so hard to break when you come back, you know? Yeah. I, I feel you though. I have a, I love traveling, but man, it really, mm -hmm. it's tiring. <laughs> yeah. So, so now I just try to do maybe three or four times a year, you know, like not too much. Hmm. Uh, yeah. But definitely still super inspirational. So definitely more picky about um, picking the trips now as well. Sure. And making sure it's going to be good for you but, and not like, yeah, kill you and stuff. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Where are some of your favorite places to travel to? Um, I loved Scotland. Oh yeah. Been there it's beautiful there, year. huh? Yeah. I think I've always wanted to visit, but I, maybe it's because I'm a freelancer and I feel like I'm always just playing. Right. Um, <laughs> So I never want to travel if I don't have a reason. Yeah. I just feel like I, I don't really deserve a vacation. So I just work all my life. But um, <laughs> one of my friends was getting married and, and they live and work in Scotland now. So I was like, oh, perfect. You know, oh, I'll go, cool. like, go for the wedding. And then it was uh, just like a day before my birthday. So I was like, kind of combined, combine it and made it a vacation trip. And um, took a tour going through the highlands and went out to Isle of Skye. Uh, like breathtaking i wish i could do a photo shoot there and i'm i'm really glad that i wasn't there for the first time on a job because i can just personally experience you know how beautiful it was uh, on my on my own time so beautiful there so yeah. green so lush so i don't know it's just, it's really majestic it's just so epic <laughs> i've only seen pictures i want to go there in iceland those are my two next goals yeah yeah for sure totally should and they have such such good tours. So I took a bus tour that, like a three day bus tour that drives through the highlands to our sky. And the whole trip, um, the, the tour guide basically just tells us stories like from history or, you know, fairy tales when we go up in the sky and you're just going through all these like mountains and roads and all of them kind of have a history or, um, folklore that goes with it. And you're just completely immersed, like magical. So cool. It's yeah. awesome. Yeah, I guess you. It's really hard not to make a mystical, you know, tales and stories when nature is just this bounty of amazing visuals all the time. How beautiful and powerful it is there. Yeah, seriously, um, nature has so much. You know, it's like one of the greatest creators of art, right? It is. Well, it is the. I always say it holds the patent to all creation, really, because we're always <laughs> trying to mimic it in one way or another, whether we know it or not. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's a um, language I've, that we speak. I started using flowers a lot um, after I lived in Japan for a little while. Just, you know, seeing um, actual like sakura blossom season and then all the ikebana arrangements everywhere you go to. Yeah. Just like, wow, like nature is amazing. It's the best. Yeah. Yeah. I noticed that there's been um, quite a bit of flower work in your work mm -hmm. now, which is really cool. Yeah. How, how long did you live in Japan for, and where did you live in Japan? Uh, it was it was actually very brief, like uh, a month and a half, two months. The okay. first time um, I kind of visit for an extended stay. So I, originally, I just went to see like um, this Japanese rock band, X Japan. I went to see their concert because I liked them when I was really young, and I always thought to myself, if you know, when I liked them, they already disbanded. So I always thought like, I wish I had a chance in my lifetime to see them live. Mm. So when I had a reunion, like 10 years after they disbanded, I was like, yeah, I'm totally going to Japan. And I just quit school to do photography. So um, just 
spent a lot of time, you know, doing photo shoots with my one light that I carried to the apartment in Tokyo. That's awesome. And just, yeah, I think I was really affected by being able to live there. And so um, during the first few years of my career, like while I still lived in Singapore, I I went to Japan every two, three months, just, you know, hang out with friends, do shoots over there. And I think that influenced my work, um, definitely influenced it a lot too. That's awesome. It's so cool. I think you're totally on point with, and I have the same feeling like traveling really inspires because yeah. you, get, you get to see the different languages of different groups of people. And yeah. And, and what you see, you know, um, in pictures and what you can experience in person is, is just not the same. Right. Yeah. Cause you know, like we were talk- earlier talking about feelings, right? Like you take away the feelings with you and that's not something you can, um, really experience by just looking at a photo yourself. Um, yeah it's 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 totally disconnected because it's it's it's, it's close enough to keep you inspired by that picture and or that painting is the interpretation and someone else's feeling right yes how you experience that uh in person is going to be completely different that's why i really get into um the whole vr experience and all that stuff the authentic because if you think like for example like film is very curated Mm -hmm. um but then if you're in a completely immersive experience of your own and building your own narrative it's like you are the director, you know, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely seems really cool. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a whole another <laughs> can of worms. I always <laughs> seem to bring it up in every podcast. <laughs> People are like, "Shut up, Ash!" I actually was using it yesterday, and I get VR sick. I got a little VR oh, sick. So. Yeah, me too. Yeah. Um, like I was at Matthias' place. Um, one of our friends, right, Blizzard, and he had the Oculus Rift. So I tried to kind of go around on one of the um, flight simulator stuff. Yeah, and I. Totally got sick. Yeah, it's easy and to get I sick. Just like throughout for half an hour. Oh yeah, that sucks. <laughs> and I was just like crying. There, I was like, but I was like, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> I don't play. Yeah, it's like you have to. Um, yeah, if you go from nothing to flying an airplane in it, it's very jarring. So you probably have to start off with just sitting on a couch and having it on, and <laughs> just like look at something so your body can get used to it. Yeah, because yeah. it gets it's easy to disconnect really, really quickly. Yeah, what, for sure. What's the future look like for you as a creative? What are you? What what what's inspiring you? What are you thinking about doing? Do you plan for the future? Or are you just kind of enjoying the process now and just in, continuing that? Mm, I kind of go a little bit more organically. I think just whatever kind of comes up, and then if I have an idea, um, it can be a short term project, it can be a long term project. Um, I did a Motherland Chronicles uh, personal series for like two years and now mm-hmm. we're producing the book. It's beautiful so, work. So um, that's mostly like I was mentioning mentioning in the beginning that it started off just as, you know, exploration of the different different aspects of different things I really liked, be it mm-hmm. like illustrations, like fantasy or anime things. And then eventually it just came to more, you know, more classical painting inspired um, as a theme. So um my project partner uh, Tobias and I we were thinking of doing maybe explore exploring um, Asian Asian themes for the next series hmm. or, or sci-fi. We haven't decided. Okay. So both could be cool because because I really loved Gundam growing up. Oh yeah. So it's, it's you have to get some 3D then. You have to like team up with a really <laughs> epic right? 3D person. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good, good thing. We have so many good like um, like good animator and. 3d and like matte painting friends <laughs> that'd be cool yeah i'd love to see what that is yeah and having projects like that are always great so in the future for you it's all about still your personal work which excites you the most and which sure. will bring you 
yeah. all the all the other work, right? Yeah, and I just I think I definitely want to put more focus on doing personal work, like um, you know, gallery or not. Um, I had some gallery interests, and um, so kind of thinking of uh, doing that as my main focus uh, outside of like instead of doing fashion. Mm, okay. Yeah. So um, that that whole that whole business is really interesting to me. I have a couple friends that dabbled into it, and it mm-hmm. it uh, it's really weird. The business model <laughs> is very archaic and really weird. Um, uh-huh. It's like you know, uh, it's just really it's a trip like traditional galleries and and, and yeah. It's it's it's. I definitely a, think it's yeah. If I very do niche, very niche. Yeah, if I do um, explore fine art, I'll probably just definitely try to just do it on my own. Yeah. I think uh, in my own space and not having to, yeah, I don't know. It just, it definitely seems archaic. I agree. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Especially I, with the media now. I don't now. do with that. Like, I just want to create, right? So. Yes. Yeah. And you, you sound like you don't wait for people to, to, to give you a yes. You just go and do it, which is good. Like being proactive and making, making what you want when you yeah. want it. Yeah. Which is That's important because, you know, eventually you'll find like-minded people who will, you know, think of you, um, uh, for what you have done. So I think that's just, just go do it. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely agree. I couldn't agree more, which is kind of cool. I was wondering, I was wanting to ask you, mm-hmm. um, just kind of, if you had any advice for people that are listening, that are fans of your work, you obviously have a huge, uh, fan following, which is really great. Um, I'm sure you get constantly a, a, a couple similar questions. Um, you know, like mm-hmm. what brush do you use? No, not that one. But, um, <laughs> do you have like certain types of advice that you, um, from questions that you get often that maybe we could use here and, and probably help, um, help you kind of navigate those waters, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I think the most general and true thing is what we have already said is really hard work. Um, that's, there's a quote I like from um, a Japanese photographer, a journalist photographer, uh, and he said that you know there's no quality without quantity, and I just it just always stuck with me, and you know it's really completely true. Like the first year uh, when I quit school, I did about like 90 photo shoots in a year, so I was wow. shooting so much, and you know a lot of those things can be crappy, but um, you know with every shoot I learn something new, right? Yes. The experience uh, is like it, it it does build up and you you learn how to do certain things faster how to do certain things better and um certain things just become a habit right and then you have more time and um energy to focus on the more creative aspect to not waste time on mistakes that you might make or things that just take a long time in terms of production but i guess uh, a more concrete one um photography maybe i think like understanding art theory is really important um actually i didn't i didn't realize this until i did this recent workshop because i haven't done a workshop in a few years and uh, this series we went pretty in depth and one of the things that keeps coming up i realize is that i always emphasize a lot on you know understanding how like how light works um understanding the design philosophy design elements and um, composition and colors and these things come from you know, actually learning a little bit, like having a good foundation in art, um, that would definitely matter in like creating a good picture beyond, you know, having good equipment or good resources, uh, that, you know, uh, really good model or hair and makeup is what you as a photographer know, like 
you can use to make, um, you know, how to bring different elements together to create that one final good shot. Yeah, couldn't agree yeah. more. I think understanding the essence and the principles of what makes good, what makes great images. It's like I always relate these things to cooking. You know, it's, it's all the ingredients. Yeah. If you know what ingredients yeah. work t- well together and you're okay with exploring yeah, exactly. those, then it's really similar, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly. I couldn't agree more. I can always encourage everybody to understand art theory, understand design principles, design theory, because once you understand how to dissect things, you understand the yeah. rhythm and the flow. And yeah. you can look at somebody's work that you admire and just break it down and understand it, reverse engineer it. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And not even just people's work, but like I do it in my class where we're dissecting mm-hmm. nature. You dissect nature, understand why nature, this image that you picked from nature looks so good. Yeah, I think I think that's one good way to learn, like just looking at a picture and, you know, figuring out like why why you like it. Like, is it the colors or is it the composition? Yes. And, you know, those just add up to like its experience points. Right. And then you kind of you can put it back into your own work on your own interpretation when it comes into use. Couldn't agree more. Well, this is awesome. Well, I really, I'm really happy we finally got a chance to do this. I feel like it's short-lived. I would love to do another episode with you at some point if you're ever interested. Oh, thank you. Uh, well, I'm, I'm glad we both managed to find the time for this. Like, Thanks for having me. Of course, anytime. I really appreciate it. And everybody can reach out to you. I know that you're on uh, all the social feeds, right? Like Twitter yeah. and um, Facebook Instagram, and all Facebook. Instagram. Yeah. Okay, and yeah. we'll have all that information too on the website just in case somebody's curious and wanting to see it. Um, but yeah, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thank you. And that concludes this week's episode. Big thank yous to Jingya for coming on the show and sharing her time with us this week. You can find links to her work in all of the show notes for this week's episode at thecollectedpodcast.com slash 128, along with links to our Facebook, Twitter, and iTunes podcast page. Have an amazing day, everybody. You know the drill. Be powerful. Be prolific. Peace out. <laughs>